episode 74. We are rolling. Sports meets beer podcast. Brad Barmore here. Ben Perry there. Coming to you live and direct. Kin Smoke Barbecue Restaurant up in Healdsburg, California. I love the fact that you have your microphone stand, yet you're choosing to hold it. Because I'm going to stand up again. The, the bench is a little tough on my balls right now. Gotcha. Well, that man across from me is Mr. Brad Barmore. One surgery away from being a complete transsexual. Uh, one step closer to being a woman. Yeah, I think that's more accurate. I'm not really sure on the whole trans thing. I don't understand it. I mean, I, I'm not saying... I know you're against trans fats. Uh, not against them. Just, I understand what they're about. <laughs> uh, well, if this is your first time joining us, thank you. You have clicked on episode number 74. Yeah, it seems right. 74, because 73 was released today. If this isn't your first time listening to us, thank you, too. Yes. Because you've been a loyal listener. You've listened to us bumblefuck through many At things, many topics. one other time. <laughs> check us out on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram. Email us at sportsmeetsbeer at gmail.com. Let us know what you're thinking, what you want, what you say, what you know. Uh, we want to hear from you. Week two in the NFL, Benjamin. Wrapped. Done. It's in the books. Uh, this is not the NFL we grew up knowing and loving anymore. No. Um. You cannot put your hands on a receiver in any capacity. Up is down. Left is right. Uh, Day yeah. is night. Um, this passing statistics in the NFL right now are out of control. Out of control. Um, I know that some of the defenses are not quite as polished at this point. The, some of the passing statistics will regress over the course of the year. The defenses will get better. The weather will change. There's a lot of factors that are going to go into this, but... Um, you know, some of it has to do with the fact that there haven't been a lot of padded practices at this point. But if you've watched any of these games and seen some of the ridiculous numbers that quarterbacks are putting up these days, it's something like over half the league has quarterback ratings above 90 right now. I mean, it is like... It's, it's making quarterback ratings useless. Yeah. Yeah. To well, some, not completely, but I mean, understand it. Just It's one of those things where now you've got a flawed system in their in their rankings uh with the the way that all the penalties however i will say there has not been as many leading with the helmet tackles because the tackling in the league is atrocious now everyone's going for the legs and they're all trying to strip the ball out yep you see it everywhere um and they may not the hel the helmet tackling rule has not come into effect that often the roughing the passer with your full body weight sure has boy did that fuck the packers wow yes wow that was an atrocious call atrocious uh, but let's just jump right into it. I mean, we've already talked a little bit about it, but we got some uh, some flashpoint moments from the weekend, a couple of storylines I wanted to throw at you, see what you thought. Um, have you ever, in the middle of your job, like in, like a busy part of the, like your job, like right in the middle with all of your fellow employees, just there, just doing your thing, you're talking about what you're doing, it's busy, it's crazy. Have you ever just walked out in the middle of it? Have you ever done that? No, but my uh, my pal Vante has. <laughs> Vontae Davis just retired at halftime. He that's never that's never been done before. Just he just told the two guys sitting next to him, and then went into the told the coaches, and then took a shower and bounced, and just said night night. I'm out. I mean, I know my organization is bad right now. Yeah. Bad. Yeah, that is embarrassing. There is for everybody 
on that payroll. The the Bills went and kind of begged him to come back. He wanted to retire at the end of last year, and they kind of gave him like a super incentive laden contract and kind of gave him a bonus, another signing bonus, and begged him to come back and play. Um, and so, you know, he came back kind of already half one foot out the door. Yeah, right? you know, right. not really motivated. You know, and then you're just getting your brains beat in. You know, two straight weeks. It's like, what am I doing this for? And his statement that he put out on Instagram and Twitter basically just said, you know, I'm at peace with the decision. You know, I'm just my body just isn't there. It's, I'm just I'm, I even told my co- my teammates and coaches on Wednesday that I just don't feel right, and I have to be able to walk away from this game from for myself and for my family and be able to live the second half or the you know the second two thirds of my life. Right. You know, uh, and so well, and that's the I think that you know people talk about life after football, but. I can't tell you how many players have we seen go out and try to push through an injury and get injured further or or hurt their team by doing it. Right. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild. It's never happened before. But again, I don't necessarily blame him. And I know a lot of people are raking him over the coals for quitting on his team. And how could he do that? He just, you know, he just he's just going to walk out without telling his teammates and this and that. Listen, from my perspective, if I'm a teammate and he's his heart's not in it. Man, I don't need him out there selling like with his heart not in it, right? Not performing, possibly not selling out on a play, so I'm the one that gets injured, or I'm the one that takes the blame for something that happened. Fuck that, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, so, and that's the thing is, next man, next man up. Like, there's, you know, you think about these guys probably have someone when you know, one of their one of their buddies got waved to the fucking practice team because of a roster spot. He could have been that guy. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's there's a, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. At the end of the day, like you said, it's. If you're not there, if you're not 100% committed, then you shouldn't be out there at all. Yeah. That's the kind of sport the NFL is. That's what kind of, you know, that's to me is teamwork. Yeah. I don't care if it's soccer, baseball, if your heart isn't in it and you're just showing up for a paycheck or just showing up just because you can see in their performance. Now, maybe maybe baseball is a bad example because you've seen that. I've seen that before with players. Right. It's such a one-on-one sport. Right. But, I mean, anything else that's, you know, terribly team-related, it's, you you know. Right. Yeah, it, unheard of. Unheard of. Yeah, it, it, retiring at halftime. It's been. A, you know who should retire? Ben Perry. Who's that? <laughs> Russell Wilson should retire. Uh, <laughs> so he can live out the rest of his days of his alive, life with uh, with his beautiful wife and new new child. Um, he got murdered. He got murdered on Monday night, and the Bears' defense is good. They, Vic Fangio is one of the probably top five best three defensive coordinators in the league. Okay. Um. I'm trying to think it's, you know, it's in no order. It's Fangio, it's uh, Wade Phillips, and it's, uh, I'm suddenly blanking on the defensive coordinator in Jacksonville's name. Uh, So anyway, (laughs) you know, he's one of the best three coordinators, and he got to have, he gets Khalil Mack, uh, and he gets Roquan Smith. Uh, Who is this Mr. Mack you speak of? Oh, we're going to get that in a minute, buddy. Um you know he get, he he has a new toy, a new Ferrari in the garage, as it were. But they manhandled Seattle. That's that's two weeks in a row where the defense has just played out of its mind. And it took you know just magical heroics from Aaron Rodgers in Week One. Right. And there was almost those heroics from Russell Wilson until he threw a pick six and then fumbled with like six minutes left in that game. Yeah. But if you're Russell Wilson, you know he's been sacked since he came in the league. He's been the sacked the most of anybody in football. He also fumbled the most of anybody in football. Also. In those, really, he hasn't lost all those fumbles, but he's fumbled the most of anybody in football in his six years in the league. Um, his offensive line 
this year so far is 28th against the run and is 30th. I'm sorry, 32nd against the pass. Wow. There was a lot of people that talked about, including on this podcast, that said that Seattle cannot be as bad as people think. Their offensive line has to be better. And we, I asked, why does it have to be better? They haven't done anything to it. Right. And man, was it atrocious on Monday night. And Russell Wilson's trying to do too much, and Tyler Lockett is not a number one receiver. Now that Doug Baldwin's hurt, they are in big trouble. And if I were Russell Wilson and I wanted to be able to look at my beautiful wife, Ciara's face, for the rest of my time on this earth without having, you know, like a cleft palate or like a limp or something, <laughs> I'd probably leave the game because he is in real trouble on that team. They, he's got to face the Rams defense twice. He's, you know, he's got to, he's, he's looking at Aaron Donald, Dominican Sue, and as much as it sounds like a homer, he's got to look at DeForest Buckner, who was a monster on Saturday, Sunday also. You, know, you got to look he's at those two guys. great games back to back, and that's yeah. another one who's just going to eat him for lunch. Dude. Yeah, not good, not good. Russell Wilson, maybe call Vontae Davis, maybe maybe figure out if he could do yeah, it again. Think, yeah. How would he do it differently? Exactly. How would he do hey, it differently? Just, I'm asking for a friend. Yeah. Uh, you know, really, if it wasn't for the Cardinals, those those Seahawks would be bottom of the barrel in that division. Yeah, the Cardinals are bad, man. They are in real trouble. It it really needs Sam Bradford. Really needs a perfect situation to succeed. And that aging, from it. that aging wide receiver core, uh, and that bad offensive line is not a perfect situation for him. And it teams are just stacking up and just making him beat them because they're just not going to let it be the David Johnson show. Right. Not good. All right. So speaking of uh, shows, let's talk about the show being put on by uh, two quarterbacks in the league that nobody saw coming. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, you mean, I'm Pat sorry, Mahomes. you said that incorrectly. It's Fitzmagic. Uh, you got to pay another Fitzpatrick a dime for saying that because he trademarked Fitzmagic. Really? Minka Fitzpatrick filed for a trademark at the beginning of the season for Fitzmagic. Really? Before the season started. Yeah, evidently. I saw that <laughs> on uh, I saw that on uh, a sports Twitter account today. What was it? It was a sports business or something like that. But let me just read you some staggering statistics on these two gentlemen right now. Uh, we'll start specifically uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because he's got his is, seems to be the most staggering. He has the hot hand. So, uh, in his career, in the years that he has played a full season as a starting quarterback, which is seven seasons, where he's officially been like he's been a starting quarterback for more than two thirds of the season. Okay, you extra, do all the math, you extrapolate it out. His pace in those years as the number one starter for every year, he averaged thirty three hundred yards passing. 20, 20 touchdowns, 17 INTs with a 60% completion percentage. Okay. It's not great. No. It's probably fine. It's backup quarterback yeah. numbers. This year, after two weeks, he is currently on pace to throw for 6,500 yards with 64 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and a 78% completion percentage. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And he really pulled off the... Uh, the look on Sunday, stealing Deshaun Jackson's clothes. Oh God! What do you? What do we grade that look? I, I'm giving it a solid B plus. That's A minus. You think the it's way. A minus for you? He gets points because he realizes how ridiculous he looked. Yeah, he did, do you, the chains. I think was the was the icing on the cake. See, that was the best he only gets part. a B plus because he had shorts on. Like if he had gone with like white pants to go with that, he gets a full A from me. But it's the fact that it was clearly thrown together. Maybe a little bit of more, a little bit more foresight. Get like really finish the ensemble. That's that's why I only get to B plus because it's freaking. Hilarious. You can't steal another man's pants. You can steal his jacket, not his pants. Uh, is there any way 
Well, hold on. Is this something or nothing with Ryan Fitzpatrick? Is he? He's obviously not going to throw for 6,500 yards. No. He's not throwing for 60 touchdowns and eight picks, and he's not completing 78% of his passes. But between Godwin and Evans and Deshaun Jackson, that's a pretty good wide receiver core. Um, you know, the last time he put together a great season was with the Jets, and he had Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, right? He had good wide receivers. So he can take advantage of talent. You know, obviously, uh, you know, accepting that he's not going to continue on the pace that he's currently on. Is Fitzpatrick something or nothing this year? I mean, what do we think? Well... We're going to see the next three games. We'll determine that. We'll answer that question. He, they go against the Steelers, then the Bears. We don't stop anybody, and then the Bears do stop people. Well, the Steelers still are. They're still. Uh, you still have to respect them, right? They're 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 not having their their. They've the given verge. up sixty three points on the season. They are on the verge of a epic meltdown from an organization, but they've also. They can. I feel like they can pull it together. They've had. They've squeaked into the playoffs, and all of a sudden, they show up and they're in playoff mode. Right. right. So uh, we get to the Steelers in a minute too. Well, then, so the Bears will make them honest, and I think the Falcons are going to make them honest. That's going to see where really where, and those are uh, two of the three. The Bears and the Falcons are both on the road. So, is there any way Jameis Winston is the starter on that team this no. year? Not a chance, unless he goes in and just absolute shits the bed and loses a game they're supposed to win. But then they hit that. So let me just tell you their next, uh, let's see, the next couple games. We said Bears, Falcons. They go against the Browns, which history will tell you that's a shit. That Browns know, defense is good. It's good. That Browns defense it's improved. is really good. It's improved. Then they go against the Bengals. Which that Browns defense, defense just held Elvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and Drew Brees to, to uh, 21 points. Right. Like, and it was a 21 points, and it took a late field goal to get there. But then they go against the Bengals, who are nasty on defense. Uh, yeah, they're mean. They're mean. mean. They're gonna they're gonna hit you and make it hurt. Then you go against Panthers, Redskins, Giants. You're nobody. Then they play the Niners. Play Panthers again. And there was a time when Niner fans thought that that game was a gimme. Not so fast, my friend. Not anymore. And then they play. They finish season with the Falcons again. So you're looking at you've got it's tough. Schedule. You have a tough schedule. It's a tough schedule. Um, and I think, but there's no way they're gonna they're not gonna pull. Fitzpatrick for for Winston, especially Deshaun Jackson came out this morning Tuesday and said he's got the odd hand. There, you you can't sub him out. Right, he's he's playing great right now. You cannot sub that guy exactly. out. Exactly. Uh, it's pretty amazing. He's been pretty amazing. I, just some of the throws that he's making. You know, when he was with the Jets, you'd see him make a lot of throws that were essentially 50-50 balls. Uh, Pro Football Focus calls them uh, turnover-worthy throws, and he would make a lot of those. And Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall were such physical freaks. They could just beat everybody to the ball. Um, with this team, he's making the right reads, and it's they're not turnover-worthy throws, but he's also he, he's still relying on the talent that's around him. He's just throwing it as far as he can and letting Deshaun Jackson and Chris Godwin go get him. Yeah. Um, you know, and Mike Evans is a great player. He's a freak also. So, you know, he, he's clearly elevated by the people that are around him, but in, it's football. Who isn't, right? There's a very, the, that's very the idea. few. And also, you know, it's the new, the new NFL. Wide receivers run free all over the field now. Right. They can't, they can't be touched. Uh, so let's, while we're talking about quarterbacks on ridiculous paces. Sports Meets Beer podcast is brought to you by Advanced Auto Glass and Detail. Advanced Auto Glass and Detail is committed to providing you with the highest quality premium glass products and a professional installation by certified technicians. 
They are experienced in every aspect of glass replacement or repair, offering factory replacement or a premium aftermarket upgrade. They even deal with those annoying windshield rock chips that show up out of nowhere. They offer free local mobile service and offer a full warranty on all workmanship for as long as you own your vehicle. And across the street at Advanced Detail, they specialize in cars, trucks, vans, RVs, boats, show cars, trailers, and more. They are a full-service auto detailing shop, offering exterior wash, polish and wax, interior vacuum, shampoo, trim detail, and even smoke and odor removal. Water spot and scratch removal, paintless dent repair, it's all available at Advanced Auto Glass in detail. Advanced Auto Glass, look for the purple building at 2460 Santa Rosa Avenue. And right across the street is Advanced Auto Detail at 2549 Santa Rosa Avenue. Advanced Auto Glass, 707-526-5700. Advanced Auto Detail, 707-526-2200. Let Advanced Auto Glass in detail take care of all of your automotive needs. While we're talking about quarterbacks on ridiculous paces, Pat Mahomes, he has uh, beaten the Chargers on the road and he's beaten the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road. In those two games, he has gone 38 for 55 for 582 yards and 10 touchdowns uh, with a 147.3 quarterback rating. He is on pace <laughs> to throw for 6,928 yards uh, with a 70% completion percentage, 80 touchdowns, and no picks. Obviously, uh, that's not happening. No. But is he something or nothing? You know, I think he's something. I think that, you know, with I think a lot of the credit goes to Andy Reid. Andy Reid, we all know, is is coaches guys up and play. You know, creates plays and uh, schemes that help help out their their strong suits. And I think he's done that. I and mean, he's got a great arm, and it seems like they're really rolling right now. I think that he's probably probably something. Um, I don't think I don't think anybody thinks he's this, but I think he's probably something. He's really comfortable in empty sets, um, with no no nobody in the backfield with him, mm -hmm. which against the two teams that they've played so far works to his advantage because the Chargers have a great secondary, and Bosa didn't play, and Ingram Ingram played but was a non-factor in that game for the most part. Because when you go to an empty set, you're maxing out their best asset, which is the secondary. And it's taking away the pass rush because you're pulling guys off the line that can create pressure. Correct. And when you've got burners like Hill or uh, Sammy Watkins or even Kareem Hunt, speed kills in the league, right? I mean, we're seeing it with the Niners and the Raiders. They don't have any, and it causes problems. Um so when you can go empty backfield and spread out five wide, and oh, by the way, one of those guys is Travis Kelsey, who's a matchup nightmare for everyone. Yes. Uh, when you have those guys, um, it's easy to be comfortable in those situations. But he's making, it's not like he's making terrible throws. He's making the right reads in these situations. He's not throwing into triple coverage and, and forcing Travis Kelsey to have to make a play. He's hitting him in the numbers. He's hitting Tyreek Hill in the numbers. And it is pretty remarkable. But the the Charger win, in my opinion, I think caught a lot of people off guard. The Steeler win, you know, they put up 42 points on the Steelers. The Steelers' defense is not good. They're playing the Niners coming up this weekend. You know, I watched the Niners play the Lions. The Niners might be in trouble in this game, but guess what? Kansas City doesn't stop anybody. I think that they're aided 
by the fact that Andy Reid knows that they don't stop anyone, so they don't take the pressure off. They don't take their foot off the gas pedal. No, 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 no. They 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 want to keep that going. So he's going to be able to throw the ball a lot. Um, and so if you're betting any Chiefs games, always take the over. Uh, I can tell you this: the <laughs> Niner offense started to get right against Detroit. Um, we're going to get into that in a few minutes. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about what happened against the Detroit Lions, but it started to get right. You could see schematically where they just each play sets up another play later in the game, and each. We plays in Minnesota set up plays against Detroit, which are going to set up plays against Kansas City. You see some of that, and Kansas City's defense is not good. It, they, their secondary is awful. I'm pretty sure that I could throw for 180 yards against that secondary. Um, so nice. that game is going to be the Chiefs are going to win that game because the Niners just aren't going to be able to make enough plays defensively to stop all of those weapons. Uh, so, but even still, I, Pat Mahomes, uh, he's something. He's not this, but he's something for sure. Uh, we just, you know, just kind of. What do you think the Reuben Foster factor is going to play into with that game? Because this is his first game back, correct? It'll be his first game back. Um, he is. He's going to help them get more pressure. They're going to force Reuben Foster to have to cover Travis Kelsey. The Niners are going to figure out ways to get creative. Are you concerned at all about Ruben Foster's uh, physical? No. His, no, he's a Ferrari. He is, but. I'm not. He's going to play 40 snaps and, you know, 35 to 40 snaps. He'll be fine. He's not the Mike anymore. He's the Will linebacker, which is the middle linebacker who doesn't call the plays, essentially. Um, he's going to be fine. He's going to play. It's, you know, it's not at altitude. It's not in crazy heat. They're in Kansas City. It's Kansas City's home opener, which is another thing that's working against the Niners. Uh, it's going to be loud unless Niners can shut them down early. It's going to be loud. It's going to be loud. And I think, you know, Ruben Foster is a playmaker and Fred Warner is going to do a lot of things that are going to, that's, he's been, um, Fred Warner actually could be defensive rookie of the year uh, after two weeks. You know, that's an overreaction if I've ever heard one, but yes. he's played at that level for two weeks. He's been awesome. And so I think it takes some of the pressure off Ruben Foster. I think a lot of what the Niners have given up on, like third and seven, third and four, those types of plays are gone now. That's you can't really do that. You've he's too quick sideline to sideline. It makes them better in a lot of ways, but against the Chiefs, they're so vertical in what their passing game is that some of that flat work stuff that's getting done, you know, out in the space in the flat, they're not really going to rely on that anyway. They're going to stretch the field, and so they're going to be better against the run, which they've already been pretty good against it. Uh, they're going to get a little bit more pressure because it allows them to get a little bit more creative uh, from a quarterback pressure standpoint. But, you know, in this game, I, I ultimately don't think it's going to matter. I think that Kansas City just causes such a matchup problem for them. I mean, it causes a matchup problem for everybody. And the Niners are not the team that gets really creative with their blitz packages. Leave that to, like, Jacksonville or even... Who looked really good this weekend as well? Uh, yeah, Blake Bortles threw for like 345 yards against that Patriots team. Not quite as Bortlesy as he once was. That's for <laughs> damn sure. Um, so I'm going to read you a tweet. Okay. I want you to tell me. I'm going to tell you who tweeted it. If it says trade me, I know who said it. <laughs> yeah. So this guy Ryan. So we're it's, we're talking about Antonio Brown, obviously. Uh, this guy Ryan Scarpino who was a former PR guy for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, tweeted on Sunday night or Monday morning. I don't remember exactly when. He said, A.B. needs to thank his lucky stars because he was drafted by a team that had Ben, and Ben got A.B. paid. You know darn well he wouldn't put those numbers up for other teams. To which Antonio Brown replied, trade me and find out. 
He was not at practice on Monday. He was in like a little shouting match with the offensive coordinator on Sunday. Is this something or nothing? Well, it's something. Obviously, you have, you know, your star receiver, which if you had your star running back, wouldn't be an issue. But now you've got both guys who are, you know, who are not MIA, but they're they're not engaged into the system and the program. Mike Tomlin has lost them and hope, thankfully not to a punter. Uh, he's lost the team. Yeah. They have spiraled out of control. Ben's on the he's on his last couple of years. Which is crazy to think that we're talking about a guy that's on his last couple of years. He just threw for 425 yards on, on ben, Sunday. He's a freak. Even yeah. though he's got a gray flaccid penis, it doesn't matter. He is a freak of nature. But also, too, he's got a, he's going to look at life after football. He's not playing in, into his late 40s. No. He's yeah, 34 he's, now. 35 I was going to say 36, 37. He's not going to make it to 40 in this league. So you've got him for, what, three more years, maybe four, if he doesn't have a lot of hits. But he's taken a lot of hits over the years. Yeah. And you they know, drafted a quarterback last year to event, to potentially be the heir apparent there. Right. So is it a big deal? I think it is. I think it absolutely is a big deal. And I think that whatever needs to happen, I mean, you don't need to kiss the guy's ass, but my goodness, my goodness. like, And that just shows you the, the, the football of old versus new because you'd never see Jerry Rice on his corner like that. Um, You just wouldn't see it because it, they didn't have as many cameras. They didn't televise it. I'm <laughs> sure there was Jerry Rice is exchange. notorious for his tantrums if he wasn't getting the ball enough. Right. Notorious. Well, here, so Antonio Brown has 18 catches on 33 targets through two games for 160 yards and one touchdown. Uh, he's got an 8.9 yard per reception average right now compared to his career average of 13.4. I think his real issue right now is that uh, Smith-Schuster is getting the majority of the targets. I think Smith-Schuster has 50 targets yes, or something crazy through the first two games. Now, obviously, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's thrown almost 100 times in two games. Um, you know, no Le'Veon Bell, obviously, is making him throw the ball more and Obviously, they gave they got down twenty eight nothing, I think, or twenty one nothing in that game. Right. So he's obviously but also uh, Smith Schuster is also he's your burner. He's your he's your guy's going to go after and create a deep threat. Which is crazy that he's got fifty targets. You know what I mean? Like he's that's not the guy that you shouldn't be throwing the ball to him all that often, right? I think the big thing. No, but Jesse James had a huge game on Sunday too. I think it's just everyone's rolling their coverages to Brownside, and they're taking advantage of the mismatches in other places. The you know the thing too is that when you're playing from behind. Right or playing for out of desperation, suddenly your burner guy becomes your your go to guy. Whoever's hot, you're going to throw it to him, and he's going to come up with the ball. And whether he's exploiting defenses or not, I mean, Roethlisberger is a smart quarterback. He knows yeah. this. He can exploit most defenses because you're trying to make some work. But again, this you're talking about the teams that aren't performing well right now are the ones that don't have a lot of depth, and they don't have a lot of depth. Yeah. Well, I mean. They're not guilt. They're not going to be guilty of stopping anyone this year either. They're def- the, the the old steel curtain defense just is a thing of the past for sure. Uh, and you I think it tap off at Bed Bath and Beyond right you now. You heard it here on this the Sports Meets Beer podcast NFL preview with Danny Wright from the Danny Wright Morning Show on ninety seven point seven the River FM Classic Rock for the North Bay a guest host on this show for the NFL preview. We said a guest. He's not a guest host. He didn't take hey. over hosting duties. Well, you did just say duties, so we'll just leave it at that. All right. Uh, we talked about who, what coaches were on the hot seat, and some of the obvious ones came up. Hugh Jackson was on the hot seat. The guy that came up that no one saw coming, Mike Tomlin, is now officially 0-1-1, including a tie with the Chargers. 
That seat's yep. awfully warm there, isn't it, Coach? And our, everyone's already talking about it. I'm I'm certain that they all listen to the podcast, figured out <laughs> our their hot take, and they're they're parlaying that into their week week two breakdowns. Yeah, uh, I don't think that this Antonio Brown thing. I think it speaks to like discourse or discord in Steeler Nation, but I don't think that it's much more than that. There was a time when Ben Roethlisberger and Todd Haley were kind of arguing and then they went on to like get to the Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers beat them. Um, this reeks of that. It's a new offensive system. There's they've lost, you know, they haven't won. That helps. I mean, you can kind of read Antonio Brown's lips. If you watch the clip of him arguing with the guy, he goes, it'd be different if we were winning, but we're not winning. Get me the ball. Right. Um, so I think that it reeks of like just a change in the system. And he's frustrated by the fact that, you know, teams are just, they're just double teaming him, and, and right. it's just crazy because we just spent the early part of this podcast talking about how wide receivers are running free, but he's not really getting the chance to do that. And so I think without a legitimate run threat, he's they're not gonna you're not gonna keep there that defense honest. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think what week, I don't think there's much to this. Think Le'Veon Bell comes back week four, week five? seven probably like week seven. Okay, because. The more that the the more the Steelers lose, there's no incentive to go back. There's not really an incentive to go back. He's going to go back to week seven, and he's going to sign the t- franchise tender, and then he's going to have an, a quote injury, and they're either going to have to trade him, or trade him, or just bench him because he's hurt. They can't make him play, right? And then he'll be a free agent, and he'll go wherever he wants. But he's not coming back anytime soon, especially now. Um, so wide receivers. Antonio Brown, another wide receiver, is uh, was on the block to be traded over the weekend. Josh Gordon got traded. New England Patriots. That happened on Monday. Uh, is him going to the Patriots something or nothing? Is he going to be uh, somewhere along the lines of Chris Hogan, LeGarrette Blunt, Akib Talib, Wes Welker, Junior Seau, Corey Dillon, or Randy Moss in the pantheon of Patriots uh, resurrection retreads, stories, retreads. or is he going to be more along the lines of Tim Wright, Albert Hainsworth, Chad Johnson, Kenny Britt, or Michael Floyd? Where do you think he falls on that list? Somewhere in between the two, more of a failure, more of a success story. Your thoughts, Ben Perry, go. He's going to burn out. And it's not going to be off the field issues. It's just that he's... I just feel like he was was too far with his year-long suspension... He was too far removed. We know how fast this league moves. It's two and a half seasons or, or two seasons yeah. over five years he's played. Right. That's not good. No. And I think it's fine. I don't think it's catching up with him necessarily, but obviously the Browns are moving in the right direction. And they, if you're not moving in the right direction and you can cut someone like that or trade him, I should say, that what does that speak to him as in his character in the locker room and on the yeah. field? I, I think it's probably, I bet you I, my, my gut feeling and they haven't really, the Browns haven't really made a statement. They wish him the best of luck and went on from there. But it's all going to come out to probably his work ethic. And no, I think he, he showed up. He apparently showed up uh, for team meetings on the Wednesday after the Steeler game, and he was not himself. People thought he was high again. Oh, That's really? what it comes down to. Yeah. And so, so it's not, I mean, it, work ethic falls into that. But it's a sobriety issue in my mind. You know, it's, it's, because he, he looked good against the Steelers in week one. He looked awfully good. He had a touchdown catch. He looked great. You, you know, physical. Specimen still running well, then good. Then by by week by week five he'll have a P, dirty P test and yeah that could that very likely could be the case. I 
you know, most of these resurrection stories that you're hearing about are all char- sort of character issues. Um, you know, LeGarrette Blunt, which reared its head again on Sunday. You know, Aqib Tlaib, obviously, was a knucklehead. You know, with Miami, Wes Welker was kind of a, a guy that had been good but didn't get along with coaches. Junior Seau was just on the on the last legs of his career. Right. But Corey Dillon was a guy that didn't get along with his coaches. Randy Moss, you know, just quit on teams at times. Um, what do you mean, Brad? Yeah, I don't know. You know, all of those, you know, Albert Hainsworth, were, were those were all character issues, like guys that were just dickheads. Um, this feels something a little bit more dark, I think, because he's got his own demons and his own his own uh, substance abuse issues that he's kind of battling here. And so I think you're probably right. There's probably a burnout coming. But it, there is a large part of my brain that thinks, nope, he's going to start playing around week four, which means he's going to get about 11 games, 12 games in him. He's going to have like six touchdowns and like 600 yards receiving <laughs> just because that's just that's just what the Patriots do. Well, it's the, it's the Belichick way. I mean, that's I don't know. I, I disagree. I think that he is uh, he'll be I think my prediction is that he'll be jobless by week 10. Yeah, I think this plays. I think my real prediction is that it probably plays along the lines of Kenny Britt or Michael Floyd, where he just he shows up, makes a run in camp, they just cut him. You know, they. I mean, they gave a fifth round pickup. It's fairly substantial draft capital, so it might last a little bit longer than Britt or Floyd does. But I think it. I think it probably ends up being that he just doesn't see the field, and he's a guy that they use specifically in practice for the defense to have to scout somebody like Antonio Brown, for example. Right. You know, somebody that makes a big difference in in that. AFC. Um, what about you? Got anything, you have anything from the from the week that you want to discuss, or should we jump right into our local guys? Well, let's jump into local guys because there's nothing more I like than when your team is losing to constantly hear every fucking news source go on and on about the one that got away. Well, yeah, because he's a he's a he's savage. A, he's the best player and the best defensive player in the NFL. He's on right a now. Hall of Fame track in the peak of his career. Yes, <laughs> it's it's uh, without a doubt. I know you're tired of hearing it. I am. Ex- I am so overhearing it. But that guy makes a difference in a one point loss on the road in Denver. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's why. That's if they if the Raiders are winning, this is not a problem. And if the Raiders are getting blown out, then this is not a problem. But these games have been close, and they fall. They've gotten tired at the half. And a guy with that kind of motor in a in a system that he essentially already knows. Um, I just. And then the coach. John Gruden just has to stop saying we need to find some pass rush. Yeah, I'm. You know, it's like I, looking I, for sunglasses that you have on your head. <laughs> well, fuck it's Yeah. I, God it's, damn it, John it's, Gruden. It's uh, no, it's it's uh, you know what it is? It's it's leaving a hotel room and saying, oh, did you check everything? Did you check all? Oh, you have your keys and everything? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got everything. I got everything. And you didn't you didn't go back through and check? He left the shit behind, and you feel look like a fucking dummy right now. And that's all it is. He looks like a dummy. Yeah. I Gruden is as from a coaching standpoint. If you if you take the Mac situation out of it, he's doing an okay job, other than fighting with Reggie McKenzie, other than you know the letting okay Crabtree. I could see letting him go. Um, you know, um, that's a character decision. I don't mind that one so much. Right. Uh, what is, what even he- and even the you know the payroll decision for. Uh, What's the fucking punter's name? Marquette King. Marquette King. Thank you. Already erased him from my memory banks as a as a former Raider. <laughs> uh, you know, okay, letting that guy go, whatever. But uh, I don't know. I just you know, he obviously he can. There, he's really doing really good at coaching halves and three quarters. 
They just, we talked reason. about this last week. They just don't have the depth to be yeah. able to, to last all four quarters against talented teams. Yeah, and this is, uh, I feel like they're the Mendoza line of really good football and really bad football. Is it, There's so many teams playing, well, let me back up. There's so many teams playing really high-scoring football right now. I think the scores are, are higher than usual. I feel like that is the new normal. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where, where you look at it and go look at your schedule and go, man, what are you going to do? There's some surprise teams like the saints who you thought would be two and O at this point, you know? And I don't know, dude, it's, it's looking like fourth. It's going to be fourth place last in the AFC West. There is, uh, there is no hope and I'm not, you know, I'm always going to be a Raider fan. We've, we've talked about this on and off this show. But God damn it, it's just getting kicked in the balls one more time. It's like, you, are you fucking serious? And it's to the point where, as as a fan, you can only take this so many times before you stop get caring about games. And I start missing games, and I stop watching. Well, don't do that, because we have to talk about these things for the podcast. But uh, I watched that game. this. I watched it this morning, because I, I was at the Niner game on Sunday. So I watched the Raider game this morning. And uh, I don't know that he's done a great job of coaching. Because great coaches make adjustments at the half, and even I feel when like they're not making any, even when even when you've been successful, it feels like it feels like rather than build off of what's made you successful, we'll just keep doing it over and over. Yes, and so I know, you know, I'll make the Kyle Shanahan comparison where they say, you know, I'm going to run it till they can stop it. Um, when you're only averaging. Like in the air, for example, you're only averaging like 5.3 yards of completion. It feels like, I guess it's effective enough, but eventually they're just going to take that away and force you to throw the ball down the field. And when you're not built equipped to do that, you have to make adjustments in other places and it doesn't feel like they're doing that. Through two games, two second halves, they've made zero adjustments in that regard. Um, I will tell you what, though, if you, I have been, I don't want to say surprised by the Raider defense because they are pretty much who I thought they would be, but I am surprised by certain players. Rashawn Melvin was an, an was a savage on Sunday. Yes. Uh, 10 targets, game. four catches, one pick, one pass breakup. Uh, he played great. I was really impressed. He, I think pro football focus gave him like an 86 grade, which is incredibly high. Um, I was very impressed by that. The other side of the secondary, not so much. Uh, this is, and this, it actually, my thoughts on the Raider defense actually mirror that of my thoughts on the Niner defense for the weekend too. Um, we talked about this before the mics went hot. What the fuck was Gary on Conley and Leon Hall doing on the last drive? What were they doing? I, I, I'm literally recapping. They were this. not. They were. I feel like they were on. There was there. There had to have been a communication breakdown on what they were trying to get done. Well, so we talked about this already. So I, I realize you've already heard me talk about this, but they line up. It's four wide. Leon Hall's covering Emmanuel Sanders in the slot, and uh, Gary on Conley has. Tim Patrick on the outside. Tim Patrick runs like a eight yard sort of comeback route. That's like a comeback, but it's like an outside comeback. So he, he yeah. sort of turns to the sideline. Conley, he, he stops and turns to the sideline and Conley backs up like two or three more steps. Like thinking he's going to try to keep him in bound, out of, or push him out of bounds or keep but, him in bounds and he, try to tackle him. He does it's not like he stopped and kept his feet moving that He's far away. Peddled. He backed further away. Yeah. And then took thing. an atrocious route to the ball where he missed the tackle and then Leon Hall who I don't know, I think Conley thought that he was supposed to play deep in the zone 
Like, I think he thought that he was supposed to sit back and take away the intermediate route. Uh, and he was going to have Leon Hall over the top there, and he was going to have linebacker or somebody else was supposed to help him underneath. And there was nobody there. I think he realized it late, then took a bad route, and then missed a tackle, and then Leon Hall missed a tackle. So some some wide receiver that no one's ever heard of breaks off a 27-yarder and essentially seal it because they went they kicked right. the field goal the very next play. Um, so you on one side, on one side you've got great defensive back play. On the other side, you just don't. But you you said it before. The Raiders essentially came down to three plays, right? Right. It came down to what? It came down to. It came down to the um, the uh, false start from Cook. Yeah. Right. So he's not, and that's just lazy football. Yes, I, I agree. I, I don't. I don't care what you thought the count was going to be. Getting, you know how hard, how easy it is to get in your fucking position as a tight end. Give me yeah. a break. Yeah. You need to have three fingers on the dirt. That's it. Yeah, it was very weird. It was such a and the look on his face. He looked like he had just taken a shot of codeine. He was not with it. There was something I think he might have. I don't know if he, I don't. I didn't look at the two or three plays ahead of time, but he, it's like he, he was almost in concussion protocol. He was just out of it. He really? was fucking stars. Uh, that play, uh, the play calling for going forward and fourth and nine, and you're going for a little four yard fucking flame. I mean, that's that is the quintessential Raiders from you know I would say like the 2000 era. And above, like, all right, it's uh, you know, third and fucking twenty-four. Let's go with a little five-yard slant. It's like obviously the teams are going to pressure on that, but it's like you got to do something different. Yeah, no one's going to break anything off of that. You can't. You you know they're not going to break it off. Yeah. So why even bother? Why fucking bother? You know, at least try yeah. to fucking sling it and get the first down, and then let your your special teams that you've paid a, a god awful amount of money to to fucking kick it and punt it. Right. You had the leg. You've had a leg for the last 24 years. You've had some more than amazing leg. Why would you not? It's just those kind of play calls are stupid. And then I also think that Bruce Irvin should have gotten that open field tackle. Yeah, that was a big and, one, too. Uh, Seth Roberts holding. Seth Roberts hold, I thought, was because he's not stupid. even on the same side of the field. He's not even in the play. No, it was the same side of the field. The holding call? Yeah, wasn't he on the opposite side of the field? No, it was, it was just about- he was a player that wasn't even going to be close to. The reception and he fucking pulled off. Yeah, the, that and then Keith Smith dropping the fourth fourth and one swing pass. That one really, that one I thought really was a turning point in that game also. Um, you know, and that's just it. You know, when you're on the road in the altitude, the hottest day and the hottest game day temperature in the history of the Broncos, you've got all of those they, things. I don't know why they didn't throw it to another guy besides unproven Keith Smith. Well. I mean, that's me. That's a great Jordy Nelson play. It's who has been ineffective and a nobody on the team, which you heard here on this podcast as well. In the offseason, yours truly said that that was that was a character decision that I probably didn't disagree with, but it wasn't going to make the offense better. Um, Derek Carr was amazing. So we're going to get to the Keith Smith thing here as 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 part of this sort of theory that I have or this this thought that I have. Um, He was surgical. He was twenty nine of thirty two for two eighty eight. That is very rich Gannon numbers. I was just going to say that it was like watching a rich Gannon offense for sure. Yeah. Um, after two games, there have been 34 uh, quarterbacks in the league that have taken snaps in a game. Uh, there are something called adv- uh, next gen st- stats that the NFL uses, mm-hmm. and they have a, a series of stats called intended air yards and completed air yards. Intended air yards are. Um, how far from the line of scrimmage you intended to throw the ball, where the, re- the receiving target was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, 
actual like completion air yards or completed air yards, how many yards you get uh, at, if you know in relation to the yard line of scrimmage on balls that are completed, okay. and it's just it's not run after the catch. It's just where guys are catching the ball, right? Right. So like it takes into account like if somebody runs a ten yard out and then uh, you throw the ball and it's a little short and they have to run in a yard to come get it. It takes in for variations on that type of thing. Yeah. Okay? So just to put it in perspective, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick is currently first in. Uh, Intended catches or uh, catches catch yards. Thank you. Ten point <laughs> eight, and he's second in intended uh, yards at ten point five, which basically means that every throw he makes, he averages ten yards. Like he intends to get ten yards in the air, right? right? Uh, compared across the pond or across the bay, as it were, to Jimmy Garoppolo, um, he's eighth. Uh, and catch after yards for with seven and intended yards, he's nine, right? So he's a guy who's kind of underperformed by a lot of standards. People people are saying he's not earning his money, but even he's throwing for nine. He's trying to get nine yards per pass right. and achieving seven, right? Uh, Derek Carr is thirty third in intended air yards with five point three and twenty fifth in completed air yards four point four. Now part of that is they've played really great pass rushes, so they're trying to get the ball out quickly. But the biggest part of that is they don't have anybody that can separate. They just don't. And so when you wonder why the fuck they're throwing it to Keith Smith on fourth down, that's why. Because they don't have anybody that can separate. They're hoping that they can get him the ball and he can break a tackle or two. And just it's a weird aerial smash mouth, which yeah. is very much a John Gruden system. And I would argue that in some ways his system it's has like shown a Mike, that it can. Mike Allstott. Yeah. Right? In that's some ways same, he's shown that play. his system can be effective, right? The the first half of each of these two games, they've moved the ball really well. And I'd say Derek Carr's numbers in this they've particular defended, game. They've defended well in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. But no no adjustments are being made. And they just, by the fourth quarter, the defense is gassed. Gassed. Because. Yeah, they're on the field so fucking much. Yeah. Because when no adjustments are being made, all of a sudden they're on the field so much because the offense is suddenly not gaining the traction it was in the first half. Right. So. It's a tale of two halves for the Raiders in a lot of ways, and they don't have the talent and they don't have the speed to create mismatches for people. And if you don't, if you're not deep enough, then Smash Mouth isn't going to take you very far because no. they have the personnel to do that. Marshawn Lynch ran the ball really well on Sunday, and the offensive line played really well. I thought on Sunday against a good defensive uh, defensive front for the Broncos. So, if you're going to do that, you just have to be able to run offensive linemen out there and you have to be able to run running backs out there to keep legs fresh. And they just they don't have that. They did a great job of getting Amari Cooper involved, I thought. I thought, you know, we talked about that on this podcast, too. If you don't get him involved early, he's you're, he's going to disappear in games. And he disappeared against the Rams. Um, yep. He did not disappear in this game. He no, was a monster. obviously. Yeah, he was. And, he was you monster. know, consequently, they didn't have to rely on Jared Cook so much. Right. I think that the Broncos decided. Well, we just watched what happened. We're not going to let Jerry Cook beat us. Yeah, we're they're going to shut him down, and they did. Yeah. And they also, they kept in order to, in an effort to. I think he had fifty yards receiving. I mean, he wasn't a complete non factor. No, 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 no. But he wasn't as effective as he was in week one. Uh, and I think you, you, uh, he was used utilized more for blocking. And sure, just, I mean, you're you going know, against Von Miller and right. and uh, Bradley Chubb. So I, I, that's the way I would have done it too. <laughs> you know, we just we have all this. We don't like spending money. That's why we let Khalil Mack go. So we certainly want to protect the money we are spending, which is Derek Carr. So sorry, buddy. You got to block for a while. Yeah. 
The Niners also played this weekend. They played uh, the Detroit Lions. A lot of 49er fans were kind of thinking that uh, the Niners would roll in this game. I thought that the Niner offense would get right, especially on the ground in this game. Uh, but I didn't think that the game was going to be a blowout, although through about 37 minutes of this game, it actually looked like I was going to be wrong about that. It looked like the Niners were going to roll. Um, and they didn't. The Detroit Lions made it a game. They were within three points. It took a four-down four down stop uh, it, with, you know, under a minute left in the fourth quarter for them to pull it out. Uh, they were up 30-13 to 13 in that game and won 30-27. Boy, did they try to gag it away. Uh, it was very similar. The defense was very similar in my observations is with the Raiders. One side of the secondary was lights out. Richard Sherman is the old Richard Sherman. Uh, he, through two weeks, has allowed one catch on 99 coverage snaps. He's only been targeted once every 24.7 coverage snaps, and he's allowing 0.18 yards per coverage snap. Wow. And grades out as the third best corner in the league right now on Pro Football Focus. And I watched it, and he was manhandling guys at the line. Just they don't even—they didn't even look to his side of the field. Uh, and the Detroit wide receiving core is good. Marvin Jones Jr. as your number two is a nice pickup. Kenny Galladay as your number three is a nice piece. And Golden Tate is a playmaker. He—he he, was seven for 109 yards. I mean, yeah, he was great. Did. He was great in that game. Uh, the other side, Akilah Witherspoon, who played really well last year and played pretty well in Week One, I thought um, he got beat by some great throws by Kirk Cousins. But generally speaking, I thought he played pretty well. He hurt himself in that game, and I think he tried to rush back because he was a step slow, which is not really his way. Uh, he got absolutely demolished in this game. Once the Ford Inter pass rush started to get a little tired in the second half, uh, and Stafford had a little bit more time to throw, they just picked on a killer Witherspoon, picked on a killer Witherspoon. He got beat down the field. He... He just he was just out of place a lot. Some of the pass interference calls were soft, but that's the way they called the entire game. So you can't fault the referees for that. Uh, and he just was out of place. And Jimmy Ward is not a suitable replacement. I, Jimmy Ward is. I, I don't know that there's been a bigger draft disappointment that they for somehow has been held over from one regime to the next. He, he's a mess. But they that side of the field, you know, they didn't close the 49ers. They were frustrating to watch on defense because they would get into the backfield, and Stafford is good. His offensive line has been bad for a long time. They would get in, and they would get their hands in. They would get their hands on Stafford, and he would sidestep them or get away from pressure and then be able to make throws down the field. And, you know, Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, all those guys, you know, they did a decent job of getting in there, but they just couldn't close sacks, and it came back to get them by the time the game was over. They couldn't get off the field on third down, which was a nightmare. And you can't let Matt Stafford have any momentum in the fourth quarter because he runs the four-minute drill like no other in the league. One of the best. Yeah, and he it showed. Once, that, once they had some momentum in the fourth quarter, I actually thought the Niners were probably going to cough it up. And then when Jimmy Garoppolo threw that interception that got called back because George Kittle's being held on the other side of the field... When that happened, I thought, oh, my God. Everybody in the stadium knew where that ball was going. And the reason why the reason why it got intercepted is because somebody ran the wrong route again. Yeah. So there was supposed to be a pick play there, which is technically illegal. But there's supposed to be a, a little bit of a pick or a rub route run there. And somebody didn't run it. They ran the other way. And so there was no sort of scissor action. <laughs> 
<laughs> to sort of free up the space. And he and Garoppolo saw the the coverage matchup that he wanted and didn't wait for it to play out because he got sacked six times. Yeah. When, you know, they're missing their starting right guard. It's a rookie right tackle. And Detroit's front seven isn't bad. Yeah, and they got but him I, six I, times. I, I still think those injuries are gonna are gonna follow you guys for at least in like till you get the one. I mean, I don't know how what the timeline is on these guys coming back, but it's he Grappolo cannot keep getting sacked that many times in a game and, well, and some expect it, to be successful. Some of it was him holding the ball too long. They need Marquise Goodwin back in the worst way. Um Pierre Garcon was a great he played well in this game. If you got a chance to watch the Matt Breida 68-yard run and watch Matt Breida run behind Pierre Garçon while Garçon is just just savagely beating the shit out of whatever the defensive back was, just block, he just Garçon was just out in front of him running like a fullback and just slap fighting this dude all the way down the field. It was great. Um, you know the they need Marquis Goodwin. They need speed on that in that wide receiving core back. Dante Pettis is a good player. They did not train or they did not give him reps as the number one guy there. Uh, and now he's being forced to do that. And he played pretty well. He had a catch. He ran great routes. He was good blocking, you know, but they need Marquise Goodwin because he proved that he could be a number one there and he causes a lot of mismatch problems for them. Yes. Not the size guy, but the speed guy, just his speed alone frees up a lot of things. They need him to be able to do that to open things up because Garoppolo was holding the ball a long time in that game. And from where we were sitting in the stadium, we got essentially the all 22 view, right? We could see everything. And um, I was getting frustrated because Garoppolo would roll out of the pocket. So the, the, the Niners run this stretch outside zone run, which all the wide or all the line, uh, the offensive linemen get running to one direction or the other. And the, the running backs follow them and it's not necessarily a hat on a hat. It's you block your area and then the wide receiver makes a cutback or keeps spreading them out based on who's blocking what. Right. And so what they're able to do off of that is they can do that. And then Garoppolo can basically get free on a bootleg and throw to somebody in the flat or somebody's running like a, a post corner route or whatever. And you right. can throw it down the field like four different times. Garoppolo must've thrown it into the flat when he had, Garcon or uh, Pettis wide open, like 25 yards down the field. And I don't know what that was all about, but we must have watched him do it six times in that game. Oh, it was fuck, crazy. So mad. So it was crazy. And I know that I know that he's trained to do that. And so the timing of it is much different down there. But I watched it. I thought, why the, f where's he going with that? Um, so they need, they need Marquise Goodwin back in the worst way. George Kittle's a good to borderline great tight end. He's, he had a couple drops, or he had one drop in the game, um, but he can't be your leading receiver and he can't be your leading target guy. Everything they flew or they threw was in the flat. Everything. Yeah. Everything they threw was in the flat. It was underneath. They, they had uh, just two or three balls that were deep down the field. Um, but I was really uh, sort of encouraged by the way they ran the ball. I think they showed a lot of things in that game that are going to have to keep Kansas City on it. And I think you're going to see them try and run the ball 30 times against Kansas City. That's going to be their best bet against that offense. I Just agree. keep it off the field. <clears throat> run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. Yeah. I, and, uh, it, and it's going to be, well, you guys, I mean, you know, respectively, you guys have a pretty, with the exception of one game, you guys are pretty into touch, a tough stretch coming up. Yeah, they're, I mean, at, they're at Kansas City, at Arizona. Uh, Chargers. Uh, at Chargers, then at then, then at home, home against Arizona, then at Green Bay. And then, then uh, 
home against the Rams. Yeah. Which that's going to that'll be interesting that, you know, that Rams game and then you go back to the Cardinals and then they play the shitty Raiders. So yeah, that's going to be I, it's I, funny. having you know, it's, in hindsight, you know, we talked about that game and we listed the number of reasons why we wouldn't go watch it live because watching sports live with other people is the worst. It's the worst. But um, we talked about other uh, potential. Look at the potential games. It's going to be a great game. Look at, you know, new coaches and this and that, new player. Now it's like, it's kind of like it's lost so momentum, so much momentum. I mean, obviously, there'll still be Raider fans versus Niner fans, and every they'll be the cops will be on full, full patrol that night. Uh, but at the same time, it's just, I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting to see with the trajectory of both teams and where they're going to fall at in uh, you know come November first. Yeah, you, yeah, you couldn't pay me enough to go to that game. No, I wouldn't. No, either. Yeah, I, um, I. <laughs> I think uh, we talked about it on the podcast. I think that there's a, a very real probability that the Niners start one and four. Um, I thought that they would get that Detroit game. I knew it would be close. I thought they would get it. I think this Kansas City game is going to be closer than people are giving. Like they're not giving the Niners enough credit because uh, you know, that game against Minnesota was encouraging. If you're a Niner fan, so I think absolutely it was. I think that there's some execution things that need to get cleaned up, but I don't think they're necessarily going to be overmatched. Uh, overall, because I think that they'll be able to do to Kansas City's offense or Kansas City's defense what Kansas City will do to their defense. Um, you know, and nobody on here's the thing: there's nobody on Kansas City's defense that's as good as DeForest Buckner, Richard Sherman, or Ruben Foster. It's going to be interesting to see. I, I can't wait to watch what what Sherman does against like the Tyreek Hill. Right, how is how he how he prepares his defense and how he helps his guys and elevates his guys to cover something like that? It's gonna be interesting. Yeah. That's gonna be. I think you know. Here's the thing. I I really don't think that that the Niners will get out coached this season. But that, that, I just don't think that, that's no, a possibility. It's not gonna happen. Um, they might get. They'll probably get outplayed by the Rams, but that's just more of a physicality and the depth of the the Rams and their. Unless you get those three key ingredients back in the mix and and on full full release not not uh you know nursing a hurt foot or whatever the case may right. be you, you, that's the only time you're probably gonna get outplayed and i think it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game against the chiefs um i don't know if they're gonna be able to pull it out though but like you said that you don't i don't think so either I, I think you know they're gonna move tyreek hill all over the field they're not gonna let him have to go one-on-one against richard sherman the whole game they're just not um and they're, I think Travis Kelsey's just going to absolutely burn the place to the ground. <laughs> I think he because the I Niners think, don't I think have he's the ability a better to match tight end him. than than uh, Gronkowski. And Gronkowski's a big guy, and don't get me wrong, he's big and and he can and he puts up a lot of yardage and a lot of touchdowns. But I think Kelsey is on pace to be better than him. And I think Kelsey's a better run blocker. Absolutely, I think he's a better run blocker. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I it's, I'm. I was. I think the most encouraging thing that I took out of the Niner game on Sunday was uh, the reaction in the locker room after the game. Richard Sherman said, uh, a, "A win is a win, and we'll take it." But this one sure feels like a loss, and that is such a far cry from a mentality standpoint than where they were at this time last year. Because if they had pulled, if they if if this was last year and they had won that game, everybody in the locker room would have been thrilled because Great. you know nobody thought they would be anything really, and so now. Yeah, a win is a win, but we really would have liked to have closed that out, you know, 35-17 as opposed to Well, because they know, he knows their potential. He knows where they're at, which is that's an encouraging, as a fan, you have to be encouraged 
just by his presence, by Sherman's presence. But he's such a smart football player. You have to, you can see that he's, you know, yeah, we should have won this by more. We should have done this. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that, uh, He's obviously a great asset to the team. You talk about veterans. I mean, that's that's a great pickup. Again, their money's Unlike worth just in the Jordy Nelson. <laughs> it's a team devoid of speed, man. I will tell you right now, and this is my closing thought. Then we can wrap this episode up. Um, and I'm going to switch gears over to my my team. I can, with a sixty percent probability, sixty percent of the time it works every time. Derek Carr will not be an Oakland Raider next year. Wow. You listen to that Fox Sports 1 guy. Nope, nope, nope. I have a completely different reason why. All right. I bought his jersey for my son Uh as a birthday present. (laughs) As we well know, we will document. One of these days, I'm going to get all my jerseys out. We will video the curse. There'll be a story because there's a story behind it, everyone. But I was literally going through my closet. I'm like, oh, hey, John Ritchie. Hey, Napoleon Kaufman. Hey there, Asamoah. <laughs> you go start going through, and it's just like a laundry list. And the, the time in which I bought those jerseys to their release is within a calendar year. So it's got a <laughs> curse. If I buy it, it, they're done. Yeah, I think it is kind of interesting. But, I, you know, the average NFL career is pretty short. Pretty it short. is. But even then, I just it's one of those things where just based on that fact. That's why I only get like former Niner greats. I mean, I bought my Patrick Willis jersey when he was a rookie. I'm not, this is the first year in a long time that I haven't bought a jersey. And I'm not going to. I mean, I bought it for my kid, but yeah, maybe that's a difference maker. Who knows? Anyways, on that note, thank you for checking us out to episode 74. Sorry to leave, sorry to leave you so sad and depressed about the cursed Raider existence. Jeez. Oh, fuck. What are you going to do? Um, yeah. So that's it. That's it. Phenomenal. Check out episode 75. We're done. I might quit in the middle of it.